Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Yud Zayin. Today's she is the Ilunishmas Esther Pesa Bas Yitzchak Halevi, Yeshua Yitzchak Ben Shol Ruvain Halevi, and Eliyahu David Ben Avram Chaim. May the Neshamas have an Aliyah and may the memory be a blessing. Um, and Rabbi, please, with Shleima for Avram David Akohain Ben Sarahita. And for Rufuah Shleima of Avram David Akoyen Ben, Sarah Ita. It's Tani Demelin. And, um, and also for, for a child undergoing surgery today, Yishai Aaron Ben Hanama, if they have a complete and speedy recovery. Um, okay, so we're at the bottom of Pes Zayinam Base 16b. The Gemara, remember we're discussing the brochas, the tefillas that they would add in on these last seven fast days, on these special days when they would fast for rain. Rabbi Yehuda Oimeh, yeah, I don't know if special is the right word, um, significant, the most significant and severe of the fast days because we're quite well into the season and rain already has not come. Um, Rabbi Yehuda Oimeh, Rabbi Yehuda says, Lo loima, zikronis, etc. Rabbi Yehuda says, you don't say... The, the Tanakhama held that the first two of those brachas was Zichronus and Shofaros. So Rebuda says, you don't say that. He says, Omar Rebbe Adaba, the man Yafo, my time at Rebbe what's the reason for Rebbe Yehuda? The Fisha ain't oinim, Zichronus for Shofaros, Ela Barosh because we do not say Zichronus for Shofaros except on three occasions Rosh Hashanah, Yovelos. That's the Yom Kippur of the Yovel year. Remember the Yom Kippur of the Yovel year, the Musaf is the same as Rosh Hashanah Musaf. And at the time of war. Um, and Rashi says regarding war, it says, When there's war in your land, against the enemy lay in siege against you, etc. But he says, listen to this Rashi, says, But I don't know, it's not clear to me where you get that you say, Malchios, Zichronus, and Shofros at the time of war. Rashi says he's not clear. We we know that you daven at the time of war, etc. But he doesn't know where you get to say these um, special brachas from. Okay. Now the Mishnah said two of the brachas was Mishiano es Shmuel b'Mitzvah Baruch, and then it concluded Baruch Atah Shomeya Tzaka. Regarding Shmuel, Hashem who heard, listened to Shmuel's tefillah in Mitzvah, blessed are you Hashem who listens to our tzaka crying out. And then it said, the next brocha was, Misha Ono es Eliyahu Bahar HaKarmel, the one who listened to Eliyahu on HaRakamal, it's Karmel, etc. Baruch to Hashem Shomea Tefillah, who listens to our prayers. So Tana, we learned in Hebrew, so Yesh Machlifin, they're those who switch and say Eliyahu and Tfila Bashmuel. So we, again, the Bash our Mishnah said it's Shomayat the Brocha and Shomayat Bashmuel. We're saying no, it should say Shomayat Tfila Bashmuel. And by Eliyahu says, Oh, Bishlay Magave Shmuel Ksiv Beitfila. Okay, Bashmuel, it makes sense. It's written Tfila Uksiv Beitzaka, and it's also written Tzaka. So you can choose which one you want to say to him. Eliyahu on Hara we find the words 
we found the phraseology of tefillah, but we don't find the phraseology of tsa'aka. I should point out, these are different terms. There are many different terms for what we would generically call tefillah, praying to Hashem. Um, just to highlight, in the Amida we have shevach, bakosha, and hoda'ah. We have praising Hashem, rec- making requests from Hashem, and Hoda and uh, thanking Hashem, acknowledging Hashem, all that He's done for us. So we see that there are many different ways to dive into Hashem. And that's what's going on here. Which is the most appropriate way to connect to Hashem? There's a Sefer I have that's called, I think it's called Sharem Tefillah. Um, I can't see it now. I think it's called Sharem Tefillah, where he goes through its Rav Shimshon Pincus. I think some of you might have known him when he was in South Africa. Um, but he, he has a sefer where he goes through 10 expressions of tefillah and explains how they different types of tefillah. Some are crying out in desperation. Some are praising Hashem. Some are more a dialogue with Hashem. They're different ways. Just as you can have a conversation with different tones, different underlying uh, motivations behind that conversation, so too with our different types of tefillah. And that's why you'll notice... We, there are many, many words of tefillah. Just for example, the Gemara in Brochus discusses how do we know that Avram David Shachris, because it says by Yamod, Amid is a language of tefillah. By Yitzchak it says, he went to speak in the field. By Tzuch, a language of tefillah. By Yaakov it says, by Yifka B'mokom. So we find all over that Chanan El Hashem, there's Techina, that's another Chanina, that's another type of tefillah. So here we're trying to work out what's the most appropriate one. So Bishleim Akabe Shmuel Ksiv Beit Tfila Uksiv Beit Saka. And Bashmul. So Bashmul we find the language of Tfila and Saka. Okay, so it makes it's fine to switch them around. Um, but Gabe Elia, we only find, we don't find, we find Saka, we find Tfila, but not Saka. And Rashi points out because it says Aneni Hashem Aneni, which sounds like a language of Tfila, damning to Hashem. So the Gemara says, no, Aneni Hashem Aneinu, Loshan Tzakahu, Aneni Hashem Aneini is actually language of Tzaka. And Rashi points out very interestingly, obviously when we say who answered Shmuel by, tza, by Mitzpah, we have to find the language by Mitzpah. So he says, by Shmuel we find, um, it says, Kivtu has called Israel Hamitzpah, Espalel Ba'adchem, and I will daven on your behalf. So that's very clear. And he says only a bit later, it says, Ve'yichal l'shmuel ve'yizak el Hashem, and he cried out to Hashem, that language of za'aka. So we do find it by Shmuel. The second one's just a little bit harder to say it applies to the first case in Mitzpah, but Rashi says it can. But by Eliyahu and Harakarmel, the language there is, Aneni Hashem Aneni, which we thought was a language of Tefillah, but actually it's a language of za'aka. Also interesting, Rav Pinkas points out at the beginning of his Sefer, he says, you know, sometimes a specific type of tefillah is required. And if you do the wrong type of tefillah, it might not be what Hashem is looking for. Like he says, for example, as I pointed out in the Amidah, the first bracha is, the first three brachas are praising Hashem. The next three brachas are, the next brachas are asking Hashem for things. So just as in the bracha of Mechaye, of Tchias HaMesim, we say, etc. Um, who heals the sick. Now, if you say that phrase, who heals the sick, as asking Hashem to heal the sick, you're missing the point of the tefillah. The point of the tefillah is to praise Hashem for His power in that He often goes against nature and He heals sick. It's not the natural deterioration. Hashem heals sick. And on the contrast, when you get 
to the eighth bracha of the Amidah, Rafa'enu Hashem v'nei that's where you daven to Hashem and plead with Hashem and ask Hashem to heal the sick. And he says, maybe what, what's necessary for Chas Shalom, there's a choyle in someone's household. Maybe what Hashem wants is not your asking for him to heal him, but for your recognition that Hashem is the one who's powerful and able to heal him. Or maybe that's not what he wants. Maybe he wants the request to heal him. He wants you to daven from your heart asking Hashem. So again, in the different context, it might be a different type of filler that's necessary, um, which I thought was quite an interesting idea. Um, okay, carrying on, it says, On the seventh, sixth one, it says, the one who answered Yonah, and on the seventh one, it says, the one who answered David. Now it says, if Yonah was long after David, the prophet Yonah, you know, in the fish, etc., was long after David, why does it mention David last? David's bracha should be the sixth one and not the seventh. So he says, Because we want to conclude, like we said about David, um, like the conclusion of that bracha, Hashem who shows mercy on the land. Remember, they're davening for a fast or some other calamity, so they want Hashem. So that's a very all-encompassing bracha that they want to end off these series of special, six special brachas that they've added in to, with Marachem al-Oretz. And Tanem Yishum Sumchus Omru Baruch Mashbil Haromim. And in Sumchus they said, you don't end off like that, you end off Baruch HaTo Hashem, Blessed Yo Hashem, who lowers the haughty. The ultimate realization is that we're reliant on Hashem, and that should um, humble us. The, fo- the calamities, the draw, the the famine, the drought should all be is all to lower the haughty. Um, Rashi points out um, why why does the bracha specifically by David and Shlomo end up, or by David end off the one who shows mercy for his people for the land? I as the all-encompassing one. He says, because we find David and Shlomo, they, they davened for B'nai Israel as a whole. And they davened for B'nai Israel to be saved from famine as a whole. Whereas unlike Yonah, Yonah, we only find davening for himself. When he was stuck in the fish, we find him davening. But we don't find Yonah davening. Um, uh, we don't find him davening on behalf of the whole of B'nai Israel, on behalf of the land. And another Pshat Rashi gives is that David and Shlomo were the ones who built the base Amikdash. And they the ones who, and that's the essence of the land. So it's appropriate for by David and Shlomo to Davin Merachem al Oretz, he has mercy on the whole land. Okay, now the next point in the Shari, etc. We then discussed at what a general discussion regarding the Kohanim serving in the Beis Amikdash drinking wine. Now we know a Kohen who is actually serving in the Beis Amikdash or going to serve in the Beis Amikdash is not allowed to drink the wine. We'll see over the page it's a negative commandment. That he's not allowed to drink wine, and not only that, it's misabidei shomayim. So it's quite severe um, for a kohen to drink wine and do this temple service. So we discussed. So just remember, there's what there were the mishmoros. Those were twenty groups of kohanim, and they would each serve on a rotational basis on a week, week by week. So you'd have each mishmar on a specific week, and after twenty-four weeks, the cycle would start again. Um, and then in each mishmar, it was divided into a base av. And each base of served on a specific day of the week. So uh, Sunday to Friday, Shabbos they all served. But 
Sunday to Friday, you had a different base of. So that's the Mishmar and the base of. So now we're going to discuss which of those at what point during the week and the year are they allowed to drink wine. It says, Why do we say that the Anshay Mishmar, okay, those whose Kohanim, the, the group of Kohanim serving that week are allowed to drink wine at night but not during the day? Because maybe there'll be too much work for the base of the Kohanim, the specific group of Kohanim are serving that day, and they will need assistance from these ones. So they have to be ready to serve, they can't be drunk. Why do we see that the men of the base of the family who's serving the the, pe- the Kohanim who are serving that day are not allowed to drink at day or night? Because they have to constantly be involved in the Not only do they do the Korbonos during the day, but at night there's also stuff to do. They have to make sure that the Korbonos are burning on the Mizbah, and if certain things shoot off the Mizbah, if some of the meat bursts off the Mizbah, they have to go put it back on, they have to turn the meat on the Mizbah extra, so they have to do even avoid at night, therefore they're not allowed to drink the whole day and night. Remember, the korbonos were only offered new during the day. There were no korbonos offered at night. So if the day's load was not too heavy that they didn't have to call in assistance from the other kohanim of that mishmar, then obviously at night they wouldn't have to. So that's why specifically the kohanim of that mishmar have to be ready to serve during the day in case there's an extra amount of korbonos, an extra amount of work. But at night they don't have to. Now we go into nowadays. Since the Kohanim, who, now as we said, the Kohanim who might be called to do the Avoid are not allowed to drink wine. So what about nowadays when the Beis Amidash might be rebuilt? So he says, Mikan Omru Kol Kohen Shemakim Mishmar, so Mishmeres Beis Av Shalov Yadaya Shabsai, a voice of Kavuyin Shom, sorry, Shebota, a voice of Kavuyin Shom. A Kohen nowadays who knows his Mishmar. And he knows which base Avi was. So he knows which family Mishmar he was. So he'll know, be able to calculate. According to this, we're assuming he's able to calculate which week of the year he should be serving. And he's also able to calculate which day of the week he would be serving because he knows his base Av. And he knows that his family actually served in the temple. Shepot our voice of Kavuim Shom. says, He's not allowed to drink wine that whole day. Even nowadays. Because... The base Amigdash might be rebuilt and he'll be called to serve. Sorry, um, he's not allowed to drink. Even nowadays, on that day that he knows he would be serving in the temple, he's not allowed to drink wine. What happens if he knows which Mishmar he was, which week he served, but he's not sure specifically which base Av he belonged to, on which day of the week he would serve? And he knows that his family actually did serve in the in the Beis Amin He's not allowed to drink wine that whole week. Because he doesn't know whether he's supposed to be serving on the Monday or the Wednesday, etc. So he has to not drink wine the whole week in case the Beis Amigdash is rebuilt. And it turns out that that's his day to serve in the temple. If he does not recognize his Mishmar. Or the Mishmar of his family. And he knows that his Bata'avos Kavuyin Shom were fixed there. Also Lishtos Yayin Kolashona, he's not allowed to drink wine the whole year. Why? Because maybe the Beis Amigdash will, re- be, will be rebuilt and it turns out that that's his Mishmar and his day. 
So any Kohen who knows that his ancestors served in the base of Mikdash is not allowed to serve, is not allowed to ever drink wine. Rebbe Oimer Ani, Rebbe Oimer, Rebbe says, Oimer Ani, look, in my humble opinion, Osulishkos Yayin Lo'elam, he's never allowed to drink wine. His misfortune comes, the, the misfortune comes to his advantage. Aye, but the misfortune, the fact that the Beis Amidash has been destroyed for so long and he hasn't been able to serve, we, can, we can't keep up the Takana that he can never drink wine. We allow him to drink wine. So again, the misfortune that the Beis Amidash has taken so long to be rebuilt is his Takana allows him to drink wine. Says Omar Abai, come on. So based on this, this that we find nowadays, Kohanim drink wine, ever. Who, which opinion does that follow? That follows Karebi. That would be like Rebbe. Again, because according to the Tanakhama, if you don't know your Mishmar, and you don't know your um, base Av, could be the base of Midas will re- be, be rebuilt and you'll be called upon to serve in the temple. And therefore, you can't ever drink wine according to the Tanakhama. But according to Rebbe, no, you can't keep worrying about it. It's been a few hundred years. I mean, at Rebbe's time, it was a few hundred years. Now it's been a few thousand years. We can't worry about it to that degree. Um, yeah, it's uh, in my mind, it's kind of like the problem of, you know, when you wait in a queue and you've been waiting in the queue for half an hour. So now the question is, you've already sacrificed half an hour, so should you just wait longer? Or do you say, no, it's not moving, I'm getting out of here. So I think that's similar to the base Amigdash, you know. It's been 2,000 years. Do we say, look, I can't wait any longer, I'm going to start drinking wine? Or do we say, well, we've waited 2,000 years, hopefully it's just around the corner. Um, different ways of looking at it, I guess. Um, just interesting that the... The, the, to, that the Akronim discuss here. This is all based on the premise that the base of Midash is going to basically be built in a in a day, and they're going to start serving that moment. Not there's not going to start rebuilding at a week later, and the Kohanim have to start getting ready. It's that it might be rebuilt in a moment. So one question is: Remember in Rosh Hashanah we learned isn't the future isn't Mashiach only going to come in Nisan or Tishrei? So the Kohanim should only not drink in those months of Nisan and Tishrei. <laughs> Cut out uh, Pesach and uh, Sukkot. Simchas uh, Torah, that's going to be a hard one to persuade them. Um, but that Nisan and Tishrei. So I think, uh, so, so the, the answer for that is fairly straight. There are two easy answers for that. One is, maybe the rebuilding of the Beis Amigdash and the coming of Mashiach are interdependent, are independent of each other. Who says that they have to happen at the same time? Theoretically, I'm not, uh, don't get any, don't get rash and do anything dangerous. But what's stopping us from going and building the base Amikdash now? Okay, we don't have Moshiach, we don't have Eliyahu, but is there something that, is there a halacha? Is there, I mean, there might, I know, I can think of halachas that people would tell you that, why it's Osir and stuff, but is there an issue to go and rebuild the Mizbah, the base Amikdash, and offer Korbanos now? So it could be that you're right, Moshiach won't come except in those months, but the base Amikdash can be rebuilt, the Mizbah can be rebuilt. You, you might not even need a base Amikdash, you might only need the Mizbah. Okay, that's one discussion. Um, one, oh, and a second answer is, is no. At, there's a, there's, the world has a set seder. And if Moshiach hasn't come by a certain date, then he will come. That set date is in Nisran or Tishrei. But if Bnei Yisrael are deserving, or something happens that we bring Moshiach early, well then he can come anytime. You know, wait for him. Every animamim, we believe in the coming of Moshiach, and we wait every day for him. That's uh, that's one question they ask us. Another one is they bring that the only way to inaugurate, to dedicate the mizbeach, 
is with the morning offering. So the Kohanim should just be careful not to drink in the morning. Once they haven't drunk the whole morning, then they can be confident that they won't be able to offer, serve on the Mizbah. And then they can drink the rest of the afternoon and the night, and only the next day just be careful not to drink in the morning, because you need to start the Mizbah with the morning offerings. So, okay, he gives an answer, but that's another question. And another question on this is, uh, um, at least on Shabbos and Yom Tov, he should be able to drink wine, because if someone says... I am a Nazir. I, I will be a Nazir when Moshiach comes. He's allowed to drink wine on uh, Shabbos and Yom Tov because we know that Moshiach cannot come on a Shabbos and Yom Tov because remember Eliyahu Anovi has to come and tell us Moshiach's coming and Eliyahu Anovi won't come on a Friday or Erev Yom Tov when everyone's so busy getting ready for Shabbos and Yom Tov. So Eliyahu won't come so then Moshiach won't come on a Shabbos and a Yom Tov. So then, oh, very good. So a person should be, so any Kohen should be allowed to drink on a Shabbos and a Yom Tov because the base Amigdash won't be rebuilt. Then again, they say maybe Eliyahu won't be rebuilt, but the, maybe Eliyahu won't come or Mashiach won't come, but the base Amigdash would be rebuilt. Okay, but just the interesting discussion, the whole premise of this Gemara is that, boom, within a few hours, within a day, the, the base Amigdash is going to be there and the Kohanim are going to have to be ready to serve. Okay, then it says, The men of the Mishmar and the men of the Mahmud. The Mahmud, I didn't get to discuss, is we'll see more in the last parak. I think that's they, they any person, yeah, let's leave it for the last parak, but the Mahmud. So it's they're not allowed to cut their hair or wash, but on Thursday they're allowed to out of covered Shabbos. Now my time, why are they not allowed to have a haircut, etc.? So it's Omar Rabbi Barchan, Omar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Barchan says, "Name Rabbi Yochanan, Keloi Shelo Yichnasul Mishmar, some Kishayin Menavolim, so that they don't start their Mishmar, their week of service in the temple, Menuvolim, uh, messy." Um, this is very similar to why we don't not allow to shave or cut our hair on Cholamoid. Because everyone would leave it for that time, you know. You're busy working the whole year around. And then, oh, next week I'm going to have a few hours free. I serve one day on the, in the base Amigdash. I'll be on standby, but I'll have to, in case they need help. With my base, but I've got the rest of the week to have a haircut. So he'll only get his haircut then. So therefore they tell him, no, you're not allowed to get a haircut during that week. You have to have your haircut before ready to go into the base Amigdash looking smart. Um... And that's the same as Cholamoid. We don't want you to go into the festival looking messy and saying, you know, what, I'm going to have, it's, it's, uh, I've got, what, everyone come around, uh, it's, uh, what's it, I get uh, 10 days out of the whole of September to work. I can't uh, take off any of that time for a haircut. I wait for Cholamoid. So no, you get your haircut. One, they wanted to make sure that you have your haircut before and then you go into Yom Tov smart and ready. So you're not allowed to, that's why you're not allowed to shave on Cholamoid. Okay, and uh, this is a similar reason here. Then it says, Ton Rabon and Melet, the king has to shave every day, have a haircut every day. Koen Godol may Erev Shabbos, Erev Shabbos. The Koen Godol has to have a haircut once a week. Koen Hedjot Achas, Lishloshem Yom, and a regular Koen must have a haircut once every 30 days. Melet, Mistapi Bechol Yom, my time away. Where do we see that the king has to shave every day? Omar Biyabba, Bar Zabda, Omar Kro, Biyabba Zabda says from the following passage, says, Melech, Biyofi of Techezeno in Echo. The king should always appear before you beautiful. I see, he has to have, it was a special type of haircut that Gomorrah discusses, but he would have a haircut every single day. 
Koin Godel, my Erev Shabbos, Erev Shabbos. My time, where do we see that the Koin Godel has to get it every Erev Shabbos? So, Amar of Shmuel Yitzhak, Holy Mishmar, so Mishchadoshos. Because that's when his mish, the Mishmas restart. Uh, he has to look very smart, he has to have a haircut very often. How often is that? For every new Mishmar. Koin Hedjot, Achas Lishloshim Yom Inalan, where do we get that the Koin Hedjot has to have a haircut every day? So, I see a Paraparaminozir. We learn out Paraparaminozir. Para means um, like growing his hair, growing your hair, but with the connotations of growing your hair wild. So and we learn it from a nozir. It's written here, but the kohanim, they're not allowed to shave, and he's not allowed to let his hair grow long. They're not allowed to completely shave their hair, and they're not allowed to let their hair grow, grow too long. And it's written there, by the nozir, kodosh, his, his kodosh, he must let his hair grow long. And just as a nozir is 30 days, and that's called letting his hair grow long, he must let his hair grow long. Well, so too when it says that a kohen is not allowed to let his hair grow long, it must be for 30 days. How do we know that a nozir himself, a nozir is 30 days? Where do we see that 30 days is growing your hair long? says, Omar Amasna, Stam Nazir, Shloshim Yom. Because a standard term of Nazirus is 30 days. If a person says, I will be a Nazir, an unspecified amount, they mean I will be a Nazir for 30 days. It says, oh, Minolon, where do we know that from? Oh, my cross, the Apostlech says, Yihi, yeah. He will be an, a Nazir, Yihi, yeah. He will be a Nazir. But Gematria, Tlisin, Habe, which is a Gematria of 30. The word Yihi, yeah, shall be a Nazir. Yud is 10 and Hay is 5. So 15 and 15. Yud, Hay, Yud, Hay is 15. 15 and uh, you know, 10, 5, 10, 5, that's 30. Um, very interesting. I mean, every morning we say, or many of us, many people say, every morning the Yud Gimumido Torah Nidreshus Bohem, the 13 ways that the Torah is expounded. I'm sure you're familiar with that just before Baruch Sheomar, we say Mizmo Shir, and before that we say Rabbi Shmuel Oimer, Bishloisha Esra Midos. So there's Kavu Chomer, Klalu Prat, um, Called Dover Sheyatsim in Aklal. A whole list of 13 things was one of them Gematria. It's not often we find, but there are a few places. Like here, we find that Gematria is actually a way that they learn out halachas. Um, it's interesting because also, uh, what do you mean? Um, doesn't the Mishnah in Avos just say that? I'm trying to think what it is. Gematria and I thought it was uh, my mind's gone blank, but the mission in Avos, I think it is, says that uh, something along the lines of Gematria and uh, something are just spices. They're not real learning, they just add a little bit of flavor to it. But here we see a halacha, a halacha is actually learnt out from a Gematria, from the numeric value of the word. Okay, says but maybe this, the Torah is saying as follows. Loy Lirbu Cloud, he's not allowed to let his hair grow at all. So If it would have said he shall not grow his hair, then true, it would not be at all. He shall not his let his para uh, his growing hair grow long. He can't let his para grow long, but he can let it grows to para. I almost different degrees in length of hair. There's uh, there's totally shaved. There's 15 days growth. That would be para. 20, 29 days growth is para, and more than that is para yeshalehu. That's even longer. 
Okay, now the Gemara asks, oh, nami. Well, what about now? We don't find Kohanim to be careful to shave every day, uh, to shave every 30 days. Have you heard of that? Of Kohanim being particular to make sure to have a haircut every 30 days? I think nowadays most people probably get around that length, but no rules. Never heard of someone, I've never heard the rabbi get up and give his drosh and say, Kohan, halacha in the morning, Kohanim, remember, you must get your haircut every, every, every month. So he says, no, Dumya de Shisu Yayin, it's comparable to drinking wine. My Shisu Yayin bizman biahu da osu shalom bizman shari. Just as we find the Isur for Kohanim to drink wine is specifically when they might go into the temple to serve, so too by growing their hair. Af hachanami, so too here. Of a hot Tanya, Rebbe, Oimer, Oimer, Ani Kohanim, Osu Lishtos Yayin la Oilam, Avama, Sesh, Takonti, Kilkonosa, Kilkonosa. Oh, but we saw up above, Rebbe said, Kohanim theoretically should not be allowed to drink wine. However, the, the, the misfortune that the base of Midrash has not been rebuilt for so long is a solution they're allowed to drink wine. For Omar Abai Kaman, she said, Inik, Kahani Khamra, Abai says, This that we find Kohanim drink wine nowadays, which opinion is it in accordance with? Karebi, it's with Rebi. Michal the Rabbon and Osri, that implies that the rabbis hold it forbidden. Now, my timer, what's the reason? You'll need a Kohen who can serve in the temple and he won't be able to because he's drunk. So, oh, sorry, before, sorry, my time, that's the answer. But what do we see? Rebi is the one who says Kohanim are allowed to drink nowadays, which implies that according to the Rabbonon, the Tanakama, Kohanim are not allowed to drink wine nowadays. So, if, so now we've just said, Kohanim are only allowed to, only have to get haircuts when they're not allowed to drink wine. When they are allowed to drink wine, when they're not ready for service in the temple, then they also don't have to have haircuts. But now, according to Rabbana, nowadays Kohanim are not allowed to drink wine, they have to be ready to serve in the base of Migdash. So Kohanim should also have to be careful to get a haircut every 30 days. So he says, no, my time in Maheri, Yibone, Beis Migdash, Uve Inan. He says, no, the reason that they hold that is because the Beis Amitash might be rebuilt very speedily and may it be so. However, they, and they have to be ready to serve in the Beis Amitash. Well, here the Kohen can quickly go get a haircut. I, he's like, oh, I've got to get to the Beis Amitash. Oh, the Beis Amitash has just been rebuilt. I'll quickly, on the way, I'll get a shave. And that's fine. So, the, so a haircut's a farm and a thing. That, so that we're not worried about. But uh, getting sobering up, well, that can be a bit of a problem. Sobering up. So the Gemara says, Oh, but oh, well, then someone who's drunk wine can also just have a little nap and get up and go serve in the temple. If a person's had a bit of wine, he just has walks a meal, um, about a kilometer, or just have a short nap, and it removes the wine, he sobers up. So again, you're telling me though, he, he, he's not allowed to drink wine because he has to be ready to serve in the temple. But he doesn't have to worry about keeping his hair short because he can get a haircut quickly on the way to going to serve in the temple. He says, well, just have a quick nap. Or... Walk a little bit, and he'll be ready to serve in the temple. The wine will leave him. So he says, no, love me. It's more Allah. Didn't we say regarding it? Omar, Rav Nachman, Omar, Rav Baravur. Rav Nachman said in the name of Rav Baravur, Lo shanu That's specifically where he drank a revius. Aval shasa yosem revius. Kol shekain sheh derech matriduos of a shino misach rosa. 
says no. That's specifically where he only has a reviews. We generally say reviews is about 86 mils. So if he drinks that much, then again, he's not allowed to serve in the base of Middash because we say that much affects his mind, that much affects him. However, if he just has a short nap or walks a kilometer, then he's fine. However, if he drinks more than that, well then walking just exasperates the the drunkenness and sleeping exasperates the drunkenness. So that's why a car, so now we understand, oh, we can't have a Kahain drink because if he drinks more than a Revius, it can take a few hours before he's ready to serve in the base Amikdash again. But if he lets his hair grow long, what, it's gonna, it will take 10 minutes, 5-10 minutes before he's ready to serve in the base Amikdash again. So that's fine because on the way to the base Amikdash, you can quickly get a haircut. Ravashi Omar Shusu Yayin, the Machli Avoida, Ravashi gives a different answer. He says, Again, while we, the, the question we're grappling with is why we strict, or why the Rabbonin strict regarding drinking wine, but they're not as strict regarding makes Kohanim, making sure that they have a haircut every 30 days. So Ravashi, Rabbonin. Drinking wine, which would invalidate the temple service, the rabbis made a gazera. Either they never allowed to drink wine, they have to be ready to serve in the base of But having long hair does not invalidate the temple service, therefore the rabbis did not make the decree. Oh, Ravashi made a new distinction. Why are the rabbis strict and say a kohen is never, nowadays a kohen is never allowed to drink wine because he has to be ready to go serve in the base of because if he has drunk wine and he does temple service, it's invalid. But regarding long hair, if he does do that, he's not supposed to. He must cut his hair. He mustn't have long hair. But if he has long hair and he does the temple service, well, it's still a valid temple service. So they weren't as strict. Now, they challenged this of Rav Ashi, this distinction Rav Ashi made. It says the following, get the punishment of Misa. Misa here doesn't mean they put to death by the courts. It means Misa Bidei Shomayin. It says, Shisu Yayin or Paroi Rosh. Those who drink wine or have long hair. By drinking wine, that's explicit. It says, Yayin V'Sheichar Al Teisht. You are not allowed to drink wine or alcohol. So that's the negative commandment for a coin to drink all, to drink and serve in the temple. Ella Perua Rosh Minolan, where do we know that a Kohen is not allowed to drink? Dilsiva as it's written, They're not allowed to grow their hair. Uksiv Basray, and it's written, this is in Yecheskel, straight afterwards it's written, All Kohanim are coming into the inner courtyard on a line to drink wine. So, V'ishkis, Parua Rosha, L'ishtuye Yayin, Ma'ishtuye Yayin, B'misa, Afpru Rosha, B'misa. Just, it's connecting, growing a Kohen with doing the avoid with long hair to a Kohen, doing the service, having drunk wine. And just as we stripped, by this kohen who's drunk wine, so too we strip. Um, just as a kohen who has drunk wine is chai misabidei shomayim, so too a kohen who has long hair is chai misabidei shomayim. Ah umina, and from it we can see imai shisu yain demachli havoda af pirosha demachli havoda. Well, if that's the case, then if you drink wine, it invalidates the temple service. Well, then so too, if a kohen does the temple service with long hair, it should be invalidated. Aye, so this is a kasha. 
and the Gemara, you, they take away this on the bracket, so kasha, and leave it off, kasha, it's difficult. Again, Ravashi came along and said, why are the rabbis stricter and say, Kohanim are never allowed to drink wine nowadays, but they don't have to worry to keep their hair cut short. So Ravashi says, because the wine invalidates, a coin who's drunk wine invalidates the temple service, whereas a coin with long hair does not. He's saying that's very difficult because regarding the punishment, it's the same. If a coin serves with long hair or a coin serves in the base midash after having drunk wine, the punishment is misabidash wine. So now the Gemara says, Omale Ravina Ravashi, Ravina said to Ravashi, Ho mikmi my omra. He says, but wait, you can answer this based on the following. Before Yechezkel came, what did they do? Again, we brought this halacha that a kohen is not allowed to have long hair and drink wine. By this that it's misabidei shamayim, we learn out from Yechezkel. So what happened before Yechezkel? Remember, Yechezkel was hundreds and... was How long? Uh, hundreds of years. About 400 years after the Beis Amigdash, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Because Yechezkel was around at the destruction of the first base Amigdash. The second, the, I mean, the Mishkan was built in the desert, which is close to a thousand years before, but the first base Amigdash was lasted for 410 years. So, what have Kohanim been doing before Yechezkel told them that it's Misabide Shomayim? So he says, Omar Lei, Vilitamei Chot, Omar Avchizda, Dover Zem, Mitores Moshe, Lolamanu, Midivrei Kabbala, Lilamanu says, oh, what are you going to do? You have the same problem with what Rav Chizda said, that the following halacha, we don't know from Moshe, we know it from the prophets. Divrei Kabbal is referring to the apostle, Kol ben Nechor, Orel Lev, Orel Bosor, Lo Yavol, Emigdashi. Any ben Nechor, any foreigner, or uncircumcised Kohen is not allowed to come into the base of Migdash. Before Yechezkel came, who taught them that? How did they know that an uncircumcised coin is not allowed to serve in the base of Midash? And Rashi points out, we're not discussing an uncircumcised coin who chooses not to. I mean, he's a sinner. But even a coin who's not allowed to, let's say he has some disease or something, that he's not allowed to have a brismila, or a few of his older brothers died from Mila. So he's not allowed to have a Miller. But an uncircumcised coin is not allowed to serve in the base of Midash. Now, who's telling us it's Yechezkel? So what about the last few hundred years? Who Did they know that uncircumcised Kohanim were not allowed to serve in the base of Mikdash? So, Ela Gemara Gemir. It's a tradition. Gemirlo. Yechezkel came and put it down in a puzzle. It's a tradition that we have. And Yechezkel came and put it in the puzzle. I mentioned the Gemara Gemir. They knew it. Oral Torah. They had it from Moshe Rabbeinu told them in, in the desert. That they're not a, uncircumcised Kohanim on the serve in the base of Midash. He also told them that um, the punishment for temple service with long hair is Misabidei Shemayim. He also told them that, however, if you, a coin does do the temple service in, if a coin does do temple service with long hair, it does not invalidate the temple service, unlike a coin who does the service drinking wine. So those are all oral traditions that they had. A good few hundred years later, Yechezkel came and put it down in, in his prophecy in the, into the Nevi'im, in, uh, he wrote it down. But again, until that point, it was just an oral tradition that they have. Very interesting, why is the prophets called Divrei Kabbalah? So it's actually discussed at the beginning of Baba Kama, but one of the reasons, um, Kabbalah means received. So one answer given is because actually all the Nevoah stems from Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevoah. There's a more uh, 
bigger discussion. I don't know if we're going to not to have right now, but basically this that we actually believe prophets when they proven prophets is because Moshe Rabbeinu told us to in his Torah. It's a whole interesting discussion based on the Rambam and stuff, but if not for the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu told us in the Chumash, believe a Novi, we wouldn't believe a Novi. Listen to the Novi, we wouldn't have. But Moshe Rabbeinu told us in the Chumash, okay, if he's a proven Novi, you test him, and he turns out to be telling his, prof- his prophecies and his miracles turn out true, then the Torah tells us to believe him, but if not for that, we wouldn't. So all Nevoah stem from Moshe's Nevoah. Oh, that's on a more on a technical level, this that we believe them. And also on a spiritual level, it seems that the the whole power of Nefius stems from the at least amongst Jewish prophets stems from Moshe Rabbeinu. That's one answer. Another answer given is not Kabbalah from the language of receive, but Kabbalah from the language of like Kovlin, moaning, complaining, berating. Because that's what most of the Nevim is, what's most of Tanakh? Or most, yeah, most of the view is the prophets complaining against Bnei Israel how they're behaving. So divrei kovlim, words of complaint. I guess we could say maybe in an nice way, words of rebuke. But the, the, that's where the language of divrei kabbalah. That's why the prophets um, are referred to as the words of the prophets is referred to as divrei kabbalah. Okay, let's go a little bit further. We then mentioned etc. We then started discussing the days that are written in Megillas Tanis. Remember, special days written in Megillas Tanis. There's some days that you don't fast on them, and there's some days that are even stricter that you don't not even allow to give a hesped on them, a eulogy on them. So Tanu Rambanon we learned in a brisa. This is actually from Megillas Tanis. But it's also in uh, Menachos. It says, These are the days that you're not allowed to fast on, and some of them you're not even allowed, or strictly you're not even allowed to give a hesped on them. From the first of Nisan until the eighth of it, the Tomid was established, and therefore we don't even give a hesped on it. Rashi explains what happened. Basically, the, the, I don't know what we'd call them, the traditional, the, the mainstream Jews who had a tradition from the rabbis and going back to Moshe Rabbeinu, that the Tomid, the communal offerings, had to be offered from communal funds. The Tzidukim said no. The Posuk says it in the singular. It says, um, es hakeves echod ta'aseh. He shall make it. Baboyker in the morning. It has to come from an individual. And they had a debate and a long debate for eight days. From the first of Nisan to the eighth of Nisan. And finally the sages were able to convince and keep that as an ironclad rule. That no, the Tomid comes as communal funds. Right? She says, because we learn it from the Posit later. It says, They shall guard. They shall be guarded and offered. But again, so because of that victory of getting the Tomid set that the halacha would not be debated whether it should come from private funds or communal funds they made a celebration that you're not even allowed to say hesper on them from the 8th of Nisan until the end of the festival what festival is in Nisan? Pesach so until the end of Pesach they managed to set the Chag Shvuz that you should not have a hesper on it 
Yeah, that was based, we've actually discussed this a few times, but remember, when does it say you start, when's Shavuos? Shavuos is on the 50th day from when you start counting the Omer. When do you start counting the Omer? On? So the Pasuk says, we start on the 16th of Nisan, on the second day of Pesach. The Pasuk actually says, Mimoharasa Shabbos, from the day following Shabbos. So the Tzidukim came along and said, ah, from the day, that's Sunday. It means you started on Sunday. And what's the beauty of starting it on Sunday? It means that Shavuos will always fall out on a Sunday and you get a long weekend. You get Shabbos off and Sunday, which is Shavuos off. So, so they said that's how it should be. And the rabbis knew that Mimochros HaShabbos was referring to the 16th of Nisan. So they had a long debate from the 8th of Nisan until the end of Pesach. And finally, by the end of Pesach, they managed to convince them that this is how it should be, that it should be from the, the 16th of Nisan. And therefore, they instituted a special day. And interesting enough, I remember when we discussed this previously, but it's an interesting thing to think about. We mentioned that... Um, Um, that I'm trying to remember who it was who said it. I don't. But we said that this is interesting. It might have been Rav Sternbach, but he says that this is this is the the way of the tzidukim and these people who want to reform and modify Judaism. They come along and say, look how difficult the rabbis are making for it. That's why we shouldn't listen to the rabbis. They make your life a misery. Comes along the Torah and says, Mimochras Shabbos, saying, giving you a long weekend. Shabbos, and then you'll always have Shuas. Shuas is always on a Sunday because it says, Mimochras Shabbos, start counting on the Sunday. So you'll always have this um, beautiful long weekend. And the rabbis come along and want to make it different and say, no, 16th of Nisan. They're just trying to make your life difficult. And that's one of the main arguments against the uh, it's called a traditional Orthodox Judaism, or whatever exactly you want to refer to it as traditional Judaism, as this difficulty that the rabbis are placing on it. But actually, I mean, obviously it's beautiful and there's significance and depth to it, but that's one of their main claims. So this was a great victory when they managed to convince them otherwise. Okay, I think let's leave it here for today. We'll continue with this discussion of the Megillus Tanis and these days of not fasting and some even not saying eulogies tomorrow. Have a good Hanukkah.